Hi, my name is Rainy May, and welcome to Decoding the Man, the podcast. This podcast is about having tough conversations in a safe space for men, whether it's talking about vulnerability, masculinity, or body image. But what we're talking about is having safe, open, honest conversations with a wonderful group of men. I hope you have a lovely day and tune in. Buckle up, get a coffee, sit in your seat, on the go train, wherever you are, but tune in for episodes of Decoding the Man. The views expressed by the individuals in this episode are solely the opinions and experiences of the guests on Decoding the Man. All right, <laughs> so we're back to Decoding the Man, uh, and we're here with Sean, Davey, Charlie, and Roman, and our lovely bartender, Horatio. Horatio. <laughs> uh, and my name is Randy May. But today we're going to just start with an opening question and we're just going to go around the table and answer the question. So, uh, what is your fondest memory of your dad? Bam. <laughs> okay. So this is Roman. I'm going to go first. So my fondest memory of my dad is, uh, we had this big wasp nest in the backyard. So my sister and I are young. I can't remember the, the age, but he says, I'm going to take this thing out. I'm like, All right. So what he did was he told me when you see me running, open the door. We're in the back of the screen, like a screen for the, the door in the back. It must have been 50, 60 feet away. So he takes this big, huge pole, wraps it with a towel, puts lighter fluid. He lit it like he was shorting <laughs> it from the predator. Hesitated and then jammed it right into the wasp Then he turned around. I never seen my dad run so fast. And he's running. <laughs> Running, and we had my sister and I had to have the door open, and we opened it up and slammed it shut. And I remember that he was like, <sighs> just panting. This like just seeing him running was like in slow motion, but it was amazing. It was like that was the fondest one I can remember. Oh, that's awesome, Sean. Um, my fondest memory is not too long ago, maybe maybe ten years ago. Um, my dad, uh, he's always. I don't know. He's loved nature. Cottages. He was a ranger. He would take us on hikes and things like that. And I remember I was out at our, our lake, at our cottage, and I was in a rowboat. And he goes canoeing every morning. And he just, I don't know, he, he lazily, I took a great photo of this. He lazily canoed up to us. It was my wife and I in the rowboat. But he was like on one side, the canoe's tilted and he was laying out with his like legs stretched out and just leaned back and just canoeing. And he canoed over to us and, and looked like the coolest person in the world <laughs> that you could in a canoe. <laughs> but like completely at home, he had a cup of coffee with him <laughs> that he's sipping while he's out there. And, and, and we snapped a picture and, and like forever etched in my mind is like that photo of him chilled out in his canoe i'm like that is my dad that is just as as cool and as relaxed as anyone could ever be right there yeah. oh that's cool that's very cool so i remember it was christmas and my dad was hanging up christmas lights on the second story of the house using a ladder and it was uh it was right out of like a movie or uh or even a cartoon i guess the ladder had fallen and he, he uh, was hanging from the eavesdrops by his hands while me and my brother were in the basement. And all we could see out the window was his legs. <laughs> and eventually his, his hands gave out and he dropped. Uh, he ended up breaking his tailbone oh. and his, uh, his arm. 
but it, it didn't waver him at all. He still had a very happy spirit to the whole Christmas uh, season. So I remember that Christmas opening presents and he's kind of like sitting back and bringing him his coffee where he's in the chair with the cast on one arm and his yeah. leg up on the, on the, uh, on the couch. Um, but you know, he, that's the thing. Like he, he had the sense of humor to laugh at himself and recognize when he was in those kind of moments. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, Charlie, my dad, he's always been like a, a jack of all trades to me. And I mean, he's retired now, but he was a, he was an engineer his whole life. So he's he, to me. He's always been able to to build anything and everything that he that he needed. Being the oldest male among his siblings, he's kind of always taken it upon himself to kind of be the host among his siblings. So it became kind of a tradition that you know every summer we would have a huge barbecue with my family and extended family. And I remember just one year he just he built this giant almost like a tent in the backyard like with with whatever scrap material he could find and to me it was just like this magnificent feat of engineering that he did with his own bare hands completely by himself and i've always been in awe of that ability of his to just literally create something with his own two hands mm -hmm. just kind of kind of out of nowhere and uh that, that is something that has always been really, I've, I've always found really impressive about my dad. Yeah. yeah. It's this whole idea of like we look at our, our parents or as men, you might look at your dad and they have these special moments where you, they look like a hero or uh, they were special in your eyes. Um, and when you think of that, how did they shape, can you see parts of your dad's inside of you now? Can you see how it's showing up in life? Not just like in one facet, but in just in your day to day. Do you ever stop and notice how your dad's showing up in you? Yeah, like even sometimes how I sit in a chair, like my dad like crosses yeah. his feet or he has his hands, you know, <laughs> wrapped around. He's got his hand in his face and his chin. He's just, you know, just thinking or being in that position. I, I catch myself doing that, and my feet rubbing with each other. Like just little things, little subtle things. I'm like, oh my god, I'm turning into. <laughs> <laughs> I'm metamorphosizing, you know what I'm saying? Like I just say, like, I think these things that we subconsciously saw as a, yeah. as a child that we're kind of now—it's just there, right? It's, a, it's yeah. now become part of us. So um, that's what I—I I I hear it every day. My wife's always like, turning your dad. <laughs> Is that a compliment? I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. You know, as I get older, but. I remember when we were kids, he would always uh, rip open the blinds to our rooms to wake us up for school. Uh, and it was just like, get up and then, you know, get going and, yeah. uh, no apologies, no nothing, no, no soft wake up. Like yeah. that. And <laughs> I find myself doing that to my daughter now and I hated it. So I can't even <laughs> imagine what she must be feeling. So it's like these little things that we never really notice, but they show up, right? Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways that you've noticed, Sean? <laughs> I have these, uh, so my dad at the cottage would put on these rubber boots and then take this, um, I don't know what it was. I guess it was some sort of poison but he would go into the woods <laughs> with rubber boots and this spray canister and he would spray poison ivy and he would all right. kill all the poison ivy around the cottage and and so i'm at my house years later decades later and you know i'm putting on these rubber boots and my sister was over because <laughs> i'm going into the backyard i can't remember what i was doing i was probably going to pick up dog poop or something but i'm putting on these rubber boots and i look over at my sister who's just staring at me with this look and i was like 
I'm like, Dad, aren't I? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like that, putting on your rubber boots and you're going outside to do some yard work. And I was like, yeah. yeah. I guess, yeah, just following their footsteps, even if we don't know it. Yeah. Subconsciously, it happens. Kind of you start to your family and you see it yourself. Charlie, what, have, what ways have you noticed uh, that your dad shows up in you? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a lot of it is subconscious. But uh, as, as I've grown into an adult, I've kind of just developed this love for coffee. <laughs> I've, I've told the story to uh, my friends before, but um, yeah, I've just I'm just a, an avid coffee drinker in my adult years, and I think what that stems from is just me having vivid memories of waking up early Saturday morning to watch Saturday morning cartoons. And one of the first things my dad would do is he would wake up early as well, and the first thing he would do is brew a, a fresh pot of coffee. And I would just remember vividly that aroma of coffee just filling the house. And, you know, as a child, you know, I obviously never drank coffee, but that that smell just stuck with me, I think, uh, even till now. So now when I just smell some fresh coffee, that is immediately what I think about is all those years, all those Saturday mornings of my dad drinking his morning coffee and I think subconsciously that's that's why I enjoy coffee myself so much right. as an adult and uh you know it makes me smile every time I think about it that I can find that connection even without even knowing it just kind of just stumbling upon it and it, I couldn't be happier about it yeah. yeah so a tough question um did your dad ever say I love you to you I'll, I guess I'll start because I don't. <laughs> mine's probably maybe the easiest. I don't. Know. I don't have a specific memory. Yeah. Of him saying that to me. No, I don't yeah. remember a moment being in a certain place or anything yeah. of him saying, "You know, I love you." So right. If he did, it obviously didn't have a lasting impression on me because I I don't have any memory of that. Right. You remember how he showed you that he loved you? Kindness, I guess, you know, he, he was always, my dad was always very kind. He's, he's always very quiet. So just being a sweet, kind guy, but I don't, you know, I don't remember any physical gestures or mm -hmm. nothing like that. No, I have no specific memories. Um, I don't particularly remember if he did. Mm -hmm. However, my dad was very devoted to my sister and myself. And he, like... Were his life and like he didn't care for friends or mm -hmm. used to party back in the day, maybe do some miscellaneous stuff back in the day. But, um, even to this day, with you know, my, my child and, and my niece and nephew, uh, I see this kind of like, oh, this is how he was with us, right? I can kind of see that point of view. Um, even today, like, I always, my dad and I, like, when we, you know, I kiss him, he always bends his head down and kisses his forehead. And then even my son sees that, and so when I kiss my son, he bends his head down, and I kiss him on the forehead, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess he saw my dad and I with that relationship, and I guess he's kind of mirrored that. I guess he you know, sees that as love. Right. But, uh, you know, I make a conscious decision now as, as a father to tell my son that I love him. So he can't say. He says, why do you always say I love you? Because I said, because I do. And I said, every day I get an opportunity to, I will tell you I love you. Because mm -hmm. I don't want you to come back and... Hold against me to say that you didn't love me. <laughs> I told you. I have it on tape. I recorded this, you know. But yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's nuts when you actually sit down and kind of pause and reflect. Yeah, my um, 
I actually do remember when it kind of started. So like my dad never really was that emotional when I was young, but mm-hmm. as, as I got older um, and started you know getting into my own, um, it's weird. He almost flipped a switch where now all of a sudden I noticed that he was a little more open about certain things. But I remember mm-hmm. this one instance where um, I was having a real hard time passing my driver's license mm-hmm. uh, exam. And it's funny because it goes back to some of our previous conversations where we talk about like, there's these expectations, like you're just supposed to nail it and you know how right. to drive and everything's right. easy. But it took me three times and, yeah. and I was terrified of it and I spaced it out and I kept failing. Right. And um, on the one instance where I failed, I, I broke out into tears and I was like 16 or whatever. And I'm like, I can't do this. Right. And this is something so easy that everybody can do. And he grabbed me and he pulled me in and he hugged me and he gave me a kiss on the top of my head and said, I love you. And I remember that. And it was, it, it happened then. And, and then it didn't happen for a very long time. But then like later on in my late twenties and even now with my kids, I find that he's a lot more uh, open like that. Like sometimes even now before I, you know, we don't live in the same city, so we don't see each other all the time. Mm-hmm. We see each other once a month. And before he goes, he'll pull me in and give me a kiss on the head and mm-hmm. tell me he loves me. And, um, it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause it's, you know, there's a good like 15 years before that, where I never heard that at all. And probably when you're growing up, when you kind of need something like that too, but it's so satisfying to know that you, know, you have a, a parent who cares and a parent who does love you. And I always try to make that extra effort much like Roman to make sure my kids know that and any opportunity I have to tell them I do. You know, they make me cry. <laughs> oh boy. I'm, yeah, I'm like almost tearing up yeah. listening to your stories. Let's be real. Yeah, man. We're tearing up here today. <laughs> oh boy. Um, which is okay, which is important, right? Because like they, they have these special moments, whether it's said or expressed and, and they touch us and we remember um, and they're important because they shape us, right? They shape how we love and they shape how we connect with people. Um, Charlie, do you remember um, what happened with you and your dad and expressing love or saying it? Uh, you know what? To be perfectly honest, I can't ever remember a time hearing him say those actual words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew through his actions and the way he provided for his family, for my mom, for myself, for my brothers, mm-hmm. that absolutely, of course, he loved us. But I think that's just a, a kind of a personality thing. He just wasn't the type that would uh, express his emotions right. outright. Right. But I but I knew that he did. Um, right. And it's really only been, you know, kind of in my adult years that he's kind of softened up a little bit. I don't think, I, I still don't think he's ever actually said those words. But I absolutely know he does. And you know what? That's enough. That's that's who he is. I don't expect him to be any different, but I, I know right. he loves me. And that's all that matters, really. So what's interesting, there's this action from like your father, that this action from, and from everybody, there's it's more of an action that's done. Like he showed up or he provided um, or he created this experience. Um, and when he says, I love you, and whatever, whoever circumstances... Uh, that that's happened you can now that's one step added to the expression but it sounds like a lot of it has been the action of how somebody shows up how do you feel that's shaped how you love people in your life or do you think there's any connection at all i think there is a connection i think i think that's sort of the the mold that gets set for us i mean even now a lot of times I have to remind myself that when I'm doing all these things for my family, they may not actually be picking up on on what I'm trying to say. 
Right. You know, you actually have to say it. You have to emote. You yeah. have to use the words. You have to make it right. crystal clear. You know, just because you, you know, you do everything and then you have, say, your significant other come home and it's like, I've taken care of everything. It's like, that doesn't really, you know, I mean, it's an act of love, absolutely, but right. it's not, it's not going to communicate the same thing that you may think it is unless you actually just come out and say it. And sometimes, you know, the actions don't really mean anything. Right. Um, and, but, but I think with us, and I don't know if you guys agree, but a lot of times we think that by doing these things, we're showing that we care. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then it's kind of weird when it's like, oh, well, don't they know? Cause I did all this stuff and right. shouldn't they know that I care or else why would I even bother? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't really communicate that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, just based, yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I think based on what I've grown up in, I think both are equally as important. Yes, I mean, there's a, that there's that ex- expression actually speak louder than words, which, is, which I believe is absolutely true. But those words carry a lot of weight too. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, having never really heard it, if if I was to see my dad tomorrow and he told me he loved me after being on this earth for forty years, and this is my first time hearing it, I would probably break down in tears if he if he actually told me that. And, and it's not because I don't know that he loves me. But just hearing those words, that that carries a lot of weight for me personally. So yes, those actions absolutely are important. But I think hearing it is just as important too. So I know for me personally, if if and when I have my own children, I, that is the approach that I'm going to take. I'm absolutely going to show them I love them. But I'm going to tell them every day too that I love them just as much. Because to me, those two things together are important. Absolutely important. I think they are um, important, and I think as we talk about this, we realize their value of, of the expression. Um, and so, it, you start when as you're both as you're all talking, I start to think about like there's these five love languages, right? So, gifts, time, touch, words of affirmation, but acts of service. And I feel like men get stuck in the box of acts of service. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then never really, because that's the mold, uh, never really getting to the other ones. Well, touch. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that a little later. <laughs> um, uh, in a different context. Uh, but I feel like we stick in, uh, they, we get boxed into acts of service. Uh, and that connection to words of affirmation, realizing as you age that it matters yeah. and it has value. But it's such a thing. It's, it's bizarre to me too, that like we often don't find out till it's almost too late, you know? And it's, it's, it's yeah. very silly. Like, cause even now, like my, my daughter is you know, almost four and I'll try to randomly just be like, I love you, you know? And then, and then she'll respond with, I mm-hmm. love you too. But it started this little snowball effect where sometimes it'll be totally silent or we'll be doing something else and she'll just blur out like, I love you, daddy. And I'm like, I love you too, you know? And it's like this thing where there's no, there's nothing prompting it. She's not right. upset. It's, just out, it's just out of the blue. And it's it's triggered purely from me trying to do that with her. Um, right. And I hope it continues, you know? I hope that as we age and we get older, we keep doing it because it's a nice little way to show how we feel without... You know, again, having to do an act of service or, you know, like I'm already providing. I'm not going to stop. You know, that's a given. I'm curious to see how that affects her as she gets older. Right. Let me let me ask you this, though. In those moments where it just comes out completely out of the blue and she tells you she loves you. How does that make you feel? Amazing. Always. You know, and that's and 
and again, that, I guess that's the positivity of it. Like, no one doesn't want to hear those words. Yeah. Like, it's not yeah. like anyone's like, no, don't tell me that. <laughs> sometimes, well, well, we'll talk about that later. Like, a bit of a different, a <laughs> right, different relationship, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right. But again, there's that, what you're teaching her is that hearing from a male that I love you is okay. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a part of her life. Um, and should someone say it to her one day, um, it's not uh, weird or it's not foreign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or she doesn't, I hope she doesn't ever feel like she has to earn that. Right. So value. So talking about value, right? And, and the value of hearing those words and are you worthy of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like how you kind of like showed the children, um, like when I, you know, drop my son off to school, drop him to preschool and stuff, I, I give him a hug, give him a kiss, he run yeah. off, and I say, I love you. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I'm like, I love you, I love you. <laughs> Tell me you love me. <laughs> Tell me you love me. So the kids look at me, I embarrass them. But then he turns around and he gives me a little smirk and says, I love you, Dada. I'm like, okay, I love you too. Have a good day. But it's like, I don't have a shame of like professing it. And I, I, don't, I want to encourage that as, as long as he can possibly be. To be like, hey, if I'm dropping off at high school, whatever, and I say, okay, give me a hug, give me a kiss, that he'll feel secure enough to be like, all right, I love you, Dad. Take care. Have a good day. Whatever the case may be. Um, but he'll be a teenager and be all weird. But, um, yeah, just like I think just like, like you said, the, the actions and, and, and the, the words, they yeah. go hand in hand. And, um, and sometimes when you can reminisce and think about it, and if this question got posted to them 20 years from now, that they can say, yeah, I remember dad telling me he loves me all the time. He wouldn't shut up and just kept on saying, he loved me, right? So, um, yeah. It's, uh, I, there's a weird parallel, um, like I find, like with my, with my daughter um, and hopefully even with my son, even though he's a little baby, but um, like I can shoot her a look and she'll start laughing because she knows the look. I'm just being silly. But, it, like, that's a language that we have that's unspoken. Right. And I feel like with my dad a little bit, like, I had to learn his language, you know? Right. And I and I think that's maybe a difference in kind of where we are culturally now than where they were growing up. Right. And, uh, you know, his father, my grandfather, was, I think, a little hard-nosed um, on everything. Right. Um, he was a very – I didn't know him. He died when I was uh, very little. But, like, he, everyone says he was a very nice man, right? But right. it's like – I don't know. I don't know what he was like with my dad, right? So right. it's sort of things like I know when my kids grow up, we know that language. We can speak it to each other. I can just shoot her a look and she'll laugh, right? right. Whereas with my dad, it's it's taken a lot of time to get there. Right. Uh, and, you know, we have a better relationship now as, as men than we ever had uh, growing up. That's a really interesting thing that you bring up, um, bring up of learning the language uh, with your parent, what do their looks mean? Um, what does their presence mean for you? Uh, did it make you feel welcome? Did it make you feel afraid? And do you remember what that was like? Because that's a part of language too, right? That's a part of our love languages, how we communicate to each other and hold space. My, uh, my dad was um, as a principal, so he was used to dealing with kids. Yeah. And when you got in trouble you were pretty much going to the principal's office. <laughs> so, um, you know, there was definitely a, a, a tone about him where he would turn his teacher voice on. You knew you were in shit. But, uh, but yeah, I you know, it's, uh, it, is, it is interesting sort of. And, and seeing him as an old man, you're like, oh, you know, you, you didn't actually know everything. You didn't have all the answers. You just, you know, it, your, your reality is a bit shattered. 
Right. Um, and then often now I find that like he's like the kid and I'm the adult and I'm always telling him what he shouldn't do or what he should do, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's flips for us where we end up taking care of our parents in that way. Um, and so saying that, we talked about the moments where you saw your dad, when you saw your dad like rise or something that stood out for you. Uh, but do you remember when your dad fell off that spot for you? You don't have to say it. You don't have to say what it was. But do you remember what that feeling was like when you saw your dad fall off of that image that you had him as? Yeah. Very, uh, yeah, very clearly for some reason. I don't know why. It's very, I remember the specific moment like it was yesterday. What, what would it feel like? Confusing. I remember being confused. It was an argument between right. my dad and my mom. And I remember he left the room and I was with my mom. But I remember being confused with her about why he was acting that way and right. what had happened. And I, I just didn't, I don't know, didn't understand what had gone on. Right was kind of left I don't know in the lurch there just I don't know what's happening you think like you're angry you're frustrated or was it just like a general sense of like I don't know who this person is because I've never seen it before yeah more like that I I didn't I'd never seen him that way ever and I haven't seen him that way since like I was probably his lowest and I'm glad it's never come back that way because that was, was a bad day but you still remember it very clearly yeah yeah and I, I think I'm, I'm I think I was pretty young I'm gonna guess I don't know, between, between 5 and 10, somewhere in there. But yeah. I remember it very clearly. Where I was, who I was with, my brother was there, my mom was there, my dad was there. I remember which room we were in. Part of me has wondered about bringing it back up again with my parents to kind of right. get some clarity on what were you arguing about at the time. Right. I don't even know if they would remember. Right. I have no idea. I ha I've never broached the subject yet. Think you will? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day. Maybe after this, maybe it'll inspire me to do it. <laughs> yeah. So we have, yeah, we have these moments that we can remember of our parents where the lens that we saw them through kind of changed. Like something got added to the lens. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, um, when I was uh, in my 20s, my dad uh, started suffering from seizures. He had a really bad one while he was crossing uh, the border and he crashed his car on the bridge. Mm -hmm. uh, and they had to, um, they luckily sent him to our side. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, he was with us and he was safe. But after that, he had to wait a, a period of time before he could drive again. So I had to drive him around. Mm -hmm. And I remember that pretty vividly because it was, one, I got to drive his car, which he absolutely loved. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was a fun experience. Um, and then two, you know, he was in a vulnerable state. Right. And, you know, I basically had to help him go about his day. But, you know, it's a testament to sort of the man I know and the strength of who he is, where um, he was still very much himself, right? Like, even right. though he had this thing taken away from him, he's really funny about things. Like, I'm, I'm very tattooed. Mm -hmm. And he started getting tattoos uh, when he retired. Mm -hmm. So he had none. And then in his 60s, all of a sudden, he's covered. Uh, which is <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. Like I said, he's, he's reverting back to his childhood. He grew his hair out. He's got the Mick Jagger look with like the full sleeves and stuff, but he got a tattoo that says seizure disorder with a giant skull with the medical snakes in her, you know, and, and he's like, yo, in case something happens, I said, no medic is going to look at your arm and go, oh, this guy's got seizures. Like, but like, like you're, that's him. Like you're laughing. And, and sometimes I think he does it just for the rise, you know? And, and that's what I mean by it. It's like, even in those moments where he's at his most vulnerable, his spirit is, 
is high and he's he's gonna make you laugh somehow. So you know it's it's uh, but it's it's hard seeing him as he's aging, and it's more noticeable every time. Like I said, I don't see him all the time. So yeah. you know, every time I see him, he's a little bit grayer and right. he's a little more frail, yeah. uh, and it hurts, you know, because right. um, because I feel like there's we're in such a good place now, whereas when we were younger, we weren't uh, necessarily all the time. Right. Um, and I don't, I never got to know enough about him. And right. I mean, there's still opportunity to, but it's like, now it's so few and far between. It's like, I, whenever I do see him, I want to talk to him and pick his brain and kind of know more who he is. When you say frailty, what does that mean for you when you see him each time? Oh, I don't know. I mean, he's still, it's maybe the wrong word because he's still I understand what very you mean. strong, but yeah. it's, it's like a... You, sometimes you take a moment and you step back. Same with your kids as they're getting older. We're like, holy crap, look how tall you are now. Where you're just right. like, man, you're, you're really gray now. Like, when did that happen? <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's it's this yeah. shock moment where you're like, oh, yeah, they're not, like, it's not, it's impermanent. Like, it's, right. you know, and, and that's right. a scary thought. Um, and I think, you know, we don't often look in the own mirror, our own mirrors and go, oh, we're changing too. Because right. we see each other every day, right? Right. So I want to pipe in there because I remember five years ago. Not too long ago, you know, my dad hurt his back, mm-hmm. and he never looked more frail. Just like he could barely get out of the car. He had to like every movement was very slow, and 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 my sister and I talked about it. And like he just he, it was the first moment we kind of realized he kind of like he was old. I was like, oh, you're getting old. That's what I mean. You're just right? like all of a sudden you're like, oh, you're an old man now. Yeah, yeah. it just like, it just happen? hit us, right? And then of course that's gone yeah. now, and his back's better, and now he's lifting boats and things like that. But. Right. But yeah, that moment, it was just like, wow, yeah, this is it's a reality check. Yeah, you're getting old and you no, know, we got to appreciate these moments. Right. Like our time together is not forever. Like yeah. when you're a child, you think that time together with your parent is forever. Um, and then you come to the reality that it may not be. And so well, now what will I do with the time and the moments that I could possibly have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually just reminds me of something that just happened. Uh, this was probably just just last year actually so for for father's day my brothers and i had kind of chipped in and got the whole family baseball tickets to and this because we've always enjoyed baseball growing up and this was something we used to do a lot when we were my brothers and myself were, were young so we thought it would be fun to just get tickets for the whole family and we'd all go together and, and watch the game for father's day my dad my dad is, has been retired for uh, a few years now and so we're we got cheap tickets, so we're on 300 level, but we're walking up the ramp up to 300 level. And my dad was experiencing some, some hip pain, right? And so he had to like hang on to my arm as we're walking up the ramp. And this was like the first time that I can remember significantly that, uh, you know, my dad's not like superhuman the way I used to see him anymore, right? So not that I was taken aback, but it kind of made me take one step back and think my, my dad is not the same man that I remember or it's not that he wasn't but this is not the same man that I, I idolized when I was growing up uh, so him hanging onto my arm walking up the walking up the ramp to up to the 300 level there was a I guess a sense of vulnerability physical vulnerability on his end that I've never seen before uh, so it made me just think twice that not that he wasn't capable of anything that I hadn't ever seen him before, but uh, that he that he was just getting up there in age, I guess. And um, it kind of just made me think for a second, my dad is getting older. I, I need to cherish every single moment that I have left. 
not that there's not there's plenty plenty more moments that we have left, but it just made me want to just soak in every moment that we have now and then just enjoy it because we who knows how many more moments we have left, right? So it was the it was kind of not jarring, but the first time I had ever kind of experienced that looking at my dad. It made just it's just one of those things that just made me stop and think. Let me enjoy this as much as I can because who knows how much time we have. It's not slowing down what we're talking about is like yeah. presence, right? Like, can I be present with somebody? Can I be present with my dad? Um, and then that translates out to other our experiences in life. Can I slow down to actually notice what's happening, mm. feel that vulnerability and don't run from it, but can I lean into it? I think that's a, a big question too. Like I, I know there's been, I mean, I try to ignore it, but there's always been the instances where you second guess where like, maybe I should just give him a hug. And you're okay. always like, you know, yeah. oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, you know, because we start to always do the like, hey, hugging you, pat each other on the back. And, you know, and it's like, but I don't, sometimes I just, if I'm courageous enough, like I'll just dive in there and give yeah. a big hug. Right. And right. I even do that I do with my, uh, my father-in-law sometimes because he's right. in his 70s. And I'm always right. like, you know, I, I try to like, I don't know how touchy-feely you can get, but it's like, you know, I love him too. And I want to make sure he understands. But then it's like, do you? You know, there's a weird sort of question where you feel almost inappropriate to kind of like have that hug, you know? Why? I don't know. I don't know what it is. And, you know, I know this is something for me where I've I've worked on sort of pushing past that where it's like, no, just go in there and do it. Right. You know, which is ironically, it's my dad's advice for everything. It's just like, oh, do it and call me after. Right. (laughs) Like, that's good. But, um, uh, you know, it's, you know, I try, I guess now I'm noticing how old everyone's getting. I'm like, you know, I should just, go and give a big hug and I think I've done it with my father-in-law like once or twice it's always super awkward <laughs> but you know you want to do it anyway and and that's another weird thing growing up I think where you're like what's appropriate and what's not in the sense of yeah you know once you kind of get past those years when you're a child where like you need that comforting or you know you can have a hug and that's okay like it suddenly it's not cool anymore for a little while and then, at the, then, it, then it's like is it cool again you know I don't know so what we're talking about is risk you know, right like yeah, the risk yeah, yeah, yeah. of the risk of affection um, and what does that mean for me and why do I have to have a risk of giving somebody a hug? The same hug we need when we're kids or the same hugs when we need as adults because then we talk about touch, right? Touch is a connection to human beings mm-hmm. um, and hugs matter. Uh, but now it's this dance of do I give a hug or do I not? But I really want to. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I think, I think like a lot of guys deal with that because that's the oh, classic yeah. like, hey man, how's it going? And yeah, then, high five. Uh, I don't know, you grab the arm and cook all, yeah. bring it in and yeah. then on the shoulder. Yeah, it's a handshake. Except for yeah. easy to hug. Tender Horatio hugs everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a handshake that turns into a little a hug. too much, but uh, yeah. it's good. Yeah, it's, it's it's like it's kind of like that awkward dance, right? Who takes the lead, right? Right. Do you, do you go forward yeah. or do you, does he go forward? Because um, you talked about your your father in law. I think like that's another father figure that we kind of don't kind of acknowledge that impact us. And like you know, with you know, my, my father, point where I saw him as being. I guess a chink in his armor was, you know, he succumbed to a little a partial amputation on his, on his uh, hand from work and he was at home. And so I feel that he was going through depression at that time. He was drinking a lot of booze, a lot of booze. And he was smoking cigarettes and stuff. And I remember like, what is going on? What's going on here? And I could, now as an adult, I can see like that just plays on you. It plays on your pride. It plays on your manhood uh, as your father, your, your role. And you just feel like I'm, I'm out. I'm like, I'm <laughs> pit stop. I, I can't do anything. So then my mom had to pick up the slack and stuff. But even um, that was for him, but for my father-in-law. And he was, uh, you know, kind of succumbed to like uh, Parkinson's. 
we have to bring him to an x-ray clinic. And I'm a son-in-law, and I don't speak Italian. <laughs> and we had one roll him in wheelchair into his x-ray room. It was a big table. And he was so frail. I literally had to pick this man up with my own arms. And I had to put him on this table. And my wife's watching this. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm lifting your dad up and putting him on a table. And it shouldn't be me. It shouldn't be me. It should be like his son or the, the older son-in-law and stuff. But it's me picking him up and, wa- and like watching him. And I can see him in his eyes. And you can tell it's just like this, this dignity and pride mm-hmm. of a very strong like man. Like It's kind of like... You know, you kind of let go. You have to do what you have to do, right? Like it's, and I think it's hard too as you get older. Like you see this, and it's like the pride. It's like your, your father wanted to walk up that ramp with you guys, but then he had to hold on to your arm because then he knew that something was wrong. And I need that help and support. I felt like they're not Superman anymore, and they're they, or it's like you know Batman, but he's the older Batman, you know. So yeah, so <laughs> he needs Robin's help. Yeah, he needs Robin's help. Yeah. yeah. So it's like you know, my dad the other day, he we're doing the driveway, and. Before he would do all the lifting and stuff, and then he started getting me uh, to do all the lifting, subcontracting me to do all the heavy lifting because like he's now realizing he gets tired fast. Mm. My mom tells me he goes to bed earlier, he sleeps longer, and he gets tired and fatigued. And I'm hearing this, I'm like, "You're talking about dad? You know, you're talking about my dad?" And you just kind of look at him like after a while, and you're like, Phew. you know, you're climbing up to like mid sixties and seventies and stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, we're not, uh, you know, who knows at this point, right?" And trying to make the most of it. So, like, unfortunately, I have to see them every day as I pick up my son from school. So, it's been a blessing because they get a relationship with him and then we get to see him every day. Because I know one day on my phone, it's not going to say mom and dad calling anymore. And every time I see if I'm at work, whatever, I feel like I have to pick it up. Because one day, it's not going to show up on that screen. And that's the terrifying fact. You brought up something really interesting. Uh, and I think you're all bringing it up in a way of, men asking for support when you're in those vulnerable moments uh, are you willing to ask for support Um, and so I think you've seen your dads in different ways maybe being forced into in that moment not really asking with words but just receiving your support Um, and now that you're going through your day-to-day lives of going through challenges ups and downs and all that thing and all those sorts of things how okay do you feel with actually asking for support? Maybe I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> Let Sean start. Yeah, it's start. a tough question, but yeah. I think it's an important question, right? Because yeah. I, I really like figuring things out on my own. I don't know why. I like the process. I like the challenge. I like, mm-hmm. okay, I got a problem, and I have to figure this out. And how am I going to figure this out? And then I work through it. And it doesn't always work out, but... When I reach a dead end and I'm at the end of my options that at least I can think of, that's when I ask for help. It's never my first instinct to ask for help. I always like to try and figure it out on my own because I feel like I would learn more that way. I feel like if I figured it out myself, then I've learned more from this particular instance. Whereas if you just give me a problem and I just jump automatically to ask someone for assistance, then I haven't learned as as much as I could yet. Um, So I always try to do it on my own at my work. I I had a problem the other day. I I, I was looking for f- just a few documents. I was looking for four. I found two out of the four. So then the other two I couldn't find. I was like, okay, fine. Right. Uh, I'm gonna. I could spend the rest of my day doing this, or I could ask for help. So I went for help at that point. Right. Um, it's just no. I guess knowing when to to quit and say, okay, I need help on this. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes you're like, no. You know, I 
I've been stubborn. I'm like, oh, I don't want to help. I want to do this on my own, but I should have. Right. Usually that's not the case. Usually I know when to quit and say, okay, I need help. So one layer deeper then would be like when you emotionally need help. Emotionally. That, yeah. Right? You don't <laughs> have to answer. That's, yeah. that's a whole different thing, right? So yep. task is one layer, mm. but one layer deeper is when I need emotional support mm. um, and I have that thought I can do this on my own and you're all married. So what happens to my partner? Mm-hmm. When I go into, I can do this on my own thing. And they're watching you perhaps go through it. Um, and your mindset is, and now hearing it, like it's hearing where it comes from is I can do this on my own because I feel like I'm going to learn more. Uh, but on an emotional level, when you need that support, what I, I have the opposite going on. Cause I, I don't know, I've lived on my own a long time and right. I've learned to sort of like, in order to survive, you have to ask questions and you have to, you know, you need you need support, be it from any different location, but I almost have the opposite problem where sometimes I, I like, especially at home, I'm like, I'm too much. We're like, where does this go? I know what that sounds like. Exactly. Right. You're like, and it's like, well, you know where it goes. I'm like, just double checking the place that it goes has changed. Um, so it's almost like it's, it's the reverse of that where I ask, I think too much and I need to kind of just pull it back. Um, but then I don't know, there's, there's like a, there's the kind of the tactile part of it. Right. And then there's the emotional part of it right. where, you know, I feel like I, I never ask for help emotionally. Right? right. Because again, going back to, you know, what we've discussed before, it's that whole, like, you got to be the rock so everyone else can be, you know, good, good to go. Right. I think like through any challenging adversity and, you know, we've all been married for some time in relationships and lived on this planet. We, we go through adversity. Uh, if it's not like the, the first day you're married it's like you know the fifth day you're married and then boom like life catches you on the blind side and you're like how do we do this how do we do this and like we have to make it work we have to do this um it's whatever it could be with like infertility or it could be someone cheated or finances and like how do you make it work you know when we take we took those vows was it just like formalities or did we actually listen to each word and actually promise each word to that partner. Because the biggest challenge I always tell people, like, oh, I'm planning my wedding. It's so stressful. Like, the stressful part is not the wedding. The stressful part, when things get serious, is the day after. That's like day one. And you're like, okay, now life's going to hit us. We have to be prepared for this stuff. And how much do you want to work for certain things, right? For my wife and I, we we planned everything. We we found a house. We got good jobs. We got this and that. And we wanted to start a family. And it's like, how come it's not working? How come we can't get pregnant? How come we can't do this? And how, what's not working? Why is it not working? And frustration set in, and then things became a chore, and it wasn't exciting. It wasn't natural, and we started getting tested and poked and pricked, and we just threw it everything at the park, and we're like, okay, so this is not working. So what alternatives do we have? Doctor told her, you know, you can have you know a baby, but sir, you can't, and you can do a surrogate and this and that. And she came to me and she said. It's either going to be all ours or none. And then we had, you know, how badly we parents. And so we looked long and hard and we said, you know what? Why don't we try adoption? And through that, and the, the I'm telling you, it's not an easy task going through all that. But, you know, we were blessed with a, a boy and he's, he's ours. He had our personalities. When I look down at him, I see her. And she looks down at him, she, she sees me and... And, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the universe plan, but you know, it, it's communication and going to the person, if you don't communicate and if you don't 
tell them how you're feeling in that moment, or even doesn't have to be that moment, but just tell them how you're feeling. It's just going to crumble and, and, and fall apart. And you have to open that line of communication. And even my parents, they, they, they met at a New Year's party by fluke. My dad was drunk. He could have picked, a, <laughs> he could have picked a, one of two New Year's parties to go to. He picked the one day with my mom. You know, he, he made up a name when he made, met her. They ended up like, you know, was it dating. <laughs> but, uh, smart guy. Um, but then like four months, four months later, they got engaged. Three months later after that, they got married. And they've been married for like 40 years. Right. And it just works. You know, how I treat my wife is kind of like how I treat my, my dad treats my mom, right? He's devoted. He helps her. He watches uh, chick flicks a lot with her. But in a sense, it's like he's spending time. And I think that the whole core is that like, why would I escape to, you know, no offense. There's no man cave. I don't need to escape like with that. She watches my stuff. I watch her stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to like, you know, do that supporter, be that rock. And it's hard being that rock. You know, I, you touched on something, even just, you talk about the trials and tribulations that we have after we get married and you know, our parents must have gone through the same thing. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. we don't, we never, you know, we're, we either weren't around yet or we were too young to see it, but they don't talk about it. So it's, it's, it's always fresh for, you know, whoever's going through it. Right. Right. I think what we're talking about, and we're starting to get to the a little deeper into the conversation of how I was loved and how I saw my parent treat my um, my other parent is starting to be the way I may see myself cultivating the relationship I have with my spouse. Um, and when you start to notice that, whether it's loving, not loving, whatever the dynamic is, you start to see it, uh, and then you have an option to continue that story, or you have the option to create a new story. But it's like, what will you do with that option um, to give love to a partner after, you know, Roman, you're saying about how you saw your dad devoted himself to your mom uh, and you do that now or you try to do that and you do that. Again, it's choices, right? So even if you choose to do that because you've seen it modeled, what if I saw something else that was modeled? And then I start to notice that I'm doing something else. Do I still have room to make a new choice or do I feel safe enough that I can make a new choice? I think so. Like, I remember finally when I went back uh, to Trinidad with my, my parents for vacation, my grandfather was alive. And it was always like, you know, for three, three four weeks, spending time there. It was always like the last week, half, half, like three, four days before. My grandfather would just get drunk. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like mangled drunk to the point because he knew my father was leaving and it was always hard the last day we left my grandfather would be crying because his son's leaving my dad would be crying but it was like the alcohol that basically was a factor and growing up you know not throwing down in the bus but alcohol did play a factor right he never was abusive or religious but it was always there it was con- it was <laughs> some scotch Miscellaneous name was always there, <laughs> but um, you know, like even for me, like sponsor I, plug. <laughs> but even like for me, like I know sometimes, like if I I drink um, in excess, like it's not like a comfortable drink. It's like I'm gonna get mangled, and I can see that same trend. So even when my son's around, I might have a, a beer or a wine, a glass of wine, but anything that's like kind of hard or anything, I keep it away. I don't even let him see me with that. I don't even have it around because I know how much it impacted me seeing that and displaying it at home like it's a piece of furniture opposed to like, no, this is not a piece of furniture. This is not a natural thing to have around the house. And I don't want him to see that because subconsciously, I picked that up as a kid and I know if he sees me like that, 
being either drunk or belligerent or whatever that he's going to subconsciously see that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to pass that off to him. I want to like cut that off from him and not see that. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it's, it, that's, um, the alcohol is a big thing. I think with a lot of men, um, you know, when, where I'm from, uh, there's not a lot of options. So, you know, you, you go and you drink and right. it's kind of the rite of passage because it was a border city. So you drink with the Americans. Right. Um, and, um, it, I, it just ruins people. And, and, you know, and it's like, it's played a part, um, in my childhood, not, not too much, but enough that, you know, like it's something that, you know, you're kind of playing with fire a little bit. You can either sort of succumb to that or, um, or find a way past it. I I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think we talk about, you know, why we drink or how much we drink or when we drink. Um, or, you know, we don't look out for our friends when maybe they're having a little too much, um, or if they're, you know, doing it. Um, they're hiding it or, you know, I've been in those situations too. And again, that's a whole other thing where it's like, you don't, you don't talk about it. It's it's just another thing. Right. So it's another thing we don't talk about in the sense of like, you know, let's go have a drink and let's numb some of the feeling. Mm -hmm. Right. So the feeling is there. I'm feeling this. Yeah. I don't want to feel it anymore, nor do I want to talk about it. So let me numb a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, And how much I numb it will determine how much I drink. Mm Mm-hmm. So saying that, (laughs) 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 let's have a toast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, all joking aside, that's reality, right? So we're still talking about this sense of vulnerability and feelings and what do we do with them? What do we see our parents do with it? Uh, What are we choosing to do with it? And how does that like translate into our relationships, right? When relationships get hard, what do I do with my feelings? Uh, and that's a really big question. What did I see modeled, which is what we've been talking about? Horatio. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you got something to put in? <laughs> no. All right. Horatio's going to pass. <laughs> He's speechless. One of your uh, members would make you weird face at me and it made you laugh at me. <laughs> why are you going to spread lies, Horatio? Why are you going to spread lies? It's all about the truth here. I didn't say a name. <laughs> um, but, but the reality is we have feelings and we're in this... Um, world where men of this of a younger generation are being promoted to say hashtag no feelings <laughs> yeah right um you know let's engage with people and then like if you catch a feeling like i'm out <laughs> right and so how does that translate into our relationships where did we get that from i mean do you guys find that it's like a more of a younger man thing i just feel like you're stupid when you're mm-hmm. when you're doing those things, yeah. then you kind of get it later. Um, and and oh, I don't yeah. know if it's what drives that. Like, because I'm sure you know, if I were to go back and talk to like 19 year old me, I'd probably think you're pretty stupid. <laughs> or you, you know, <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. You know. So, what would you tell the younger man about feelings then in relationship from one man to another? Okay, like for me, I mean, as hard as it might be, as quote unquote embarrassing it might be. Don't be afraid to, to, to talk about what you're feeling because you need to let that out, whatever it is. Holding it inside and bottling it up and not being able to talk about it or refusing to talk about it, it's going to do you more harm than good in the future. And, you know, the, the sooner you learn, the better off you'll be. You know, I think uh, coming from like a law enforcement background, being at funerals, not accidental by, uh, you know, suicide and reading papers of first responders um, committing suicide, I would promote myself as the younger version of me just like to talk, like to, just to keep on talking because 
I feel that now that you know being in such a, a structured uh, accepting uh, career path, it's like you have to accept that things these things are okay. Like, but it's not like when you have to deal with uh, you know a dead body or someone getting shot or dead or dismembered or whatever the case may be um, in that capacity, which is extreme. That's okay. Suck it up. There, well, that's, that's like a trail for PTSD. Yeah, right. right? Like, and but you know, no one really like yeah. no one kind of deals with it. And then you don't know people are kind of bottling. You know how they're feeling. And right. and because you have a position of like being an officer, that you kind of bring that into your personal life. And your spouse may not be in the same field, so she or he may may not relate. And you bottle it up. You keep it in. You keep it in. And then guess what? You go to the bottle. You go to this and that. And I don't know what the thought process of, of uh, these all past officers have taken their lives, but I, I, I can't imagine being that alone. I can't imagine being in this kind of cage or, or prison of feeling that the only option for me right now is to take my own life. And, and it's a very sad thing. And mm. I would always promote myself, listen, <laughs> just keep on talking. Let them tell you to shut up, but just keep on talking and promote that. Get your friends to talk. Uh, and make the most of the time. So don't just have miscellaneous, hey, what do you think of the game here? Or what do you think of that? Just say, you know, how, how are things going? How are you feeling by this? Um, you know, this and this happened. Or it's not it's part of the job kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Right? right? Just like to really like, and you know, it's just very difficult when, you, when it hits home and you and you hear somebody like that right. going through that. And I, as a law enforcement person, I, I don't want to hear anymore. Like I'm tired of seeing it because, you know, what, what makes me immune? And that's the biggest scare. Like, right. what makes myself immune from this? And uh, that by talking about it is the best thing. So, yeah, young me, talk. <laughs> well, just you know, I think I think too. It's just like just stand up for for yourself. Stand up for what's morally right. Like, um, you know, like growing up. Um, again, I grew up in a place where. Um, you, you didn't really emote and if you were like the art kid or you were the gym kid they would you know call you slurs and you know make fun of you mm-hmm. and you know it was it was a, a place where uh, you kind of had to fit in if you just you just hit who you are you could fit in and you could go about your day if you you know unless you were trying to be who you, you know be open about who you were it would change everything right um, bullying was huge you know what right. I mean like it's like you're you're expected to kind of form fit into this suburban way of doing things right. uh, and it's it's interesting because my wife's not my wife's from like a big city right? right so it's from a place where you have all different cultures you have all different types of people all different sexual orientations and everyone's mixed together and i'm like this is fantastic right. and i'm like and then i'm like who, who would i have been had i grown up in an environment like right. that yeah. you know what right. i mean yeah. like Absolutely. uh whereas like if you were, you know, I, I have a job that I pursue through the field of arts and now I'm very successful in it and I'm more successful than a lot of people that I grew up with where, uh, you know, they didn't and they would make fun of me for choosing that career because it's like, why don't you just go work on the line or why don't you go and do tool and die or why don't you go, not that there's anything wrong with any of those jobs at right. all, right. but it's like, you shouldn't be putting down whatever anyone else wants to do. It breeds this like disgusting sort of macho culture. Yeah. that we have uh, and that a lot of people follow and um, you know like I, I think these days most people see those guys and they're just like they're douchebags like that's what they turn into as they get older right but it all starts when you're young and you don't necessarily have to go that route right yep. having that freedom to like be who you are totally. and choosing that at a younger age yeah. versus kind of dancing in the mold and then discovering that you know later down the line that it's okay yeah 
Yeah. So it's like you should do all the steps to do what everyone else is doing. Um, right. and, and, I, and I feel like that's, that's the majority of what people are probably going through right. that don't live in large cities where, yeah. you know, you have more influx of opinion um, mm-hmm. and you have, you know, more of a melting pot of, of culture. Um, you kind of stuck and um, you have to either move or you, you follow that path. So younger self, what would you tell your younger self? Yeah, it's just, you know, not being afraid to just, just talk. Try not to be scared of, of what people might think because you're choosing to talk. It's something that I've only explored myself just relatively recently. So it's, it's to me, it's uh, a relatively new concept of just talking amongst friends, talking amongst whoever, whoever is willing to right. listen and knowing that it's okay to talk. Right. Never mind just being able to talk, but know that it's okay and there's nothing to be ashamed of. Right. You said recently, like, what's that like recently to start talking versus living a part of your life not doing that? Um, I mean, I say relatively recently, maybe just, you know, two, three, four years. Right. Because, uh, you know, in, in my personal life, I've never really experienced any any crazy hardships or anything like that that I've never actually had to I'm fortunate enough to, that I've never actually had to explore anything too deep, mm-hmm. but just as a concept in itself of you know mental health, uh, self-care, things like that, things that I've never thought that I would need to explore within myself, right. uh, but now it's just because it's you know a, a relatively, just becoming a relatively mainstream topic, there's no reason why... Whether, what, whatever I'm going through in my life, no matter what, it's, there's no reason why I shouldn't explore those, those themes. Uh, right. You know, if I'm going through anything heavy or if I'm not, just, you know, there's nothing wrong with just talking, right. expressing what I'm feeling, talking right. about what I'm feeling, good or bad. It's all important, no matter what. Okay. Horatio? <laughs> <laughs> Don't nod off on us. <laughs> what, would you, what would you tell your younger self? Um, to communicate more, to take a second back, listen to what other people are saying too, mm. observe a little bit more too. I think I may have missed a lot of stuff when I was younger and could have learned a lot more, but I believe communicating was key and don't stress the little things. Let the little things go. Mm. That's something I'll come up. You're not going to go play the lottery numbers from like 19... Can we talk movies on here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to cross anything, so uh, we'll mention anything. Okay, so Knowledge I, of the future? I can't, I can't buy a sports almanac. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like I said, don't stress the little things. I think that's key as well. I would, I would surprisingly go back and tell my younger self, you accidentally got it right in that you... My home life was very complex and depressing, but my friendships, I grew up with like six people on the same street, Roman being one of them, and <laughs> and uh, and we would talk, right. right? It was our outlet. So all the stresses you had at home, mm-hmm. we would go out and we would hang out on the steps and go to the corner store and get slushies and all that, and, and that's where we would vent, and and that was the saving grace. That's what... I think pulled us through those challenging times. Didn't know it at the time, you know, you're right. just a young, 
kid teenager just having fun with your friends but you were venting and releasing it and 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 that's what allowed us to get through the challenging times right so i would go back and say good job (laughs) you just got to keep doing that as you get older yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think a part of what we're talking about is and what everyone there's communication matters um whether it's with people that we love um but also more importantly communication being aware of communicating with our own self and we didn't dip into that too much today uh, but maybe we'll do that next episode um but that part of self-awareness to connect with my own self uh, to love my own self to be aware if i do love myself do i like myself in different moments from time to time um but being able to stop and say hey i need some help or support beyond the tactile uh, emotionally when i need support or i'm feeling like it's a challenge can I sit in it for a little while and then figure out who I can ask? I mean, some of you at the table here, you know each other, so you have each other. Um, but to men out there who may not have each other or have somebody or feel safe enough, it's will you step into that space of saying, I need support when I do. Beyond the tactile, right? Like if someone usually needs the help building a deck, you'll be like, hey, buddy, come over, <laughs> right? Like help me build that deck. You know, I'm going through something with my partner and it feels overwhelming. I'm less likely to say, hey, buddy. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, see you when I see you. I'm building an emotional gazebo. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, I would build one inside myself. Right? But the whole idea is, like, we can ask for these tactile things, but which is nice because now you get to see the product of it. But the product of you asking someone for support on an emotional level is that you grow into who you are and you become the man that you want to become. So I think that's also important to consider. So let's end it with a little bit of fun. Please. (laughs) (laughs) I heard my counselor voice and I was like, let's have some fun now. All right. Um, Okay. First time you had sex. Go. Roman. <laughs> wait. Uh, I feel like wait, this is wait, wait, for me. Wait. Are we like describing our age or no. the moment? What's going on? Uh, the age. Like, the like, age? Like, 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 uh, 15. 15? Sean. Uh, 24. 15. 18. Horatio? 18. All right. This was fun. Um, but the message at the end of the day is having these tough conversations is important um, and keep having them, even though they're going to be hard, um, even though they can be frustrating, but it's worth having them because at the end of the day, we all need support beyond building a deck. I like emotional gazebo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building an emotional gazebo, okay? All right, we'll, we'll stick with that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us all today, Roman, Sean, Davey, Charlie, and our lovely Horatio bartender. Um, We're going to have more episodes and more conversations. We're so happy to be talking about decoding the man. So thank you so much.